2: Hello, Captains. You're listening to episode 317 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast, and your weekly report on all things Star Trek. Recorded live on Thursday, May 11th, 2017, and available for download or streaming on Monday, May 15th, at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elijah. I'm Kenna. And I'm Tony. And in our audio booth, all the way in Ireland, is our audio engineer, Winters. Top of the morning to you, that's... All right, Tony, why don't you tell us what we have coming up this week?
3: This week, we trek out what Shatner is up to, some bold concepts for Star Trek-inspired vehicles. We celebrate Jerry Goldsmith's career, and Jonathan Frakes psyched us all out. In Star Trek Online news, there's a couple of events on Xbox One and PlayStation 4. The first Contact Day writing competition winners have been announced, and we're discussing fleet projects. And of course, before we wrap up this show, we'll open Hailing Frequencies for your incoming messages.
2: Captains, you know that we love to hear from you throughout the week and we love to have a conversation with you. So please reach out to us. We're on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast. We're on Twitter at Priority One Pod. You can even send us an email via incoming at Priority One Podcast.com.
1: Thanks again to all our Patreon supporters that make this show possible from week to week. Because of your support, the servers stay on, the power keeps flowing, and the team keeps producing. Please help us improve the show by considering a financial contribution via our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash priority1.
2: Now let's check out the latest news from the Star Trek multiverse.
0: Join, I don't know. Then let's check it
1: out.
3: Folks, did you ever have a fear or concern that Shatner would turn down an opportunity to play Captain Kirk again? Did you? Oh, you did? Well, fear not, Captains, because even at 86, William Shatner has no problem stepping back into the shoes of Captain James T. Kirk of the United Federation of Planets. Prior to the Fan Expo Regina convention in Canada, a local news outlet interviewed Shatner and asked whether or not he'd get back on that horse. Get it? The horse? Like in Generations, he rides zors with Picard. Huh? 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 Shatner replied, quote, I am perfectly fit and ready to put on some makeup. The problem, I guess, is what do you do with an aging captain whose youthful existence is already there, end quote. So, there you have it. If you ever worried, if you ever had a concern, lay your fears to rest. Shatner has no problem with becoming Kirk again. Now, whether or not any of the studios want him to is a completely different story. So, to discuss this, yeah, I don't see, I you know, I think that he would be great in a voice role. They'd have to do the same checkoff thing we have talked about before about trying to make him younger, but, man, I do. I He didn't get thing at the Academy Awards, the Emmy Awards, a couple years ago. That was a train wreck. Yeah, that was not so good. That was, I mean, that was not so good.
2: There's no doubt that any one of them will probably get back in the shoes of their characters if the price is right. You know. You know, like there's just uh, the only one I could kind of see saying a definitive no is Brent Spiner because of his concern about the aging of data, uh, but then again, if the price is right
3: yeah, it' does, you know, it's like you know, well captain, I've just you know, I had going into the shop and had it aging because it was you know uh, distressful to my colleagues that I was not aging with them, and I didn't want to cause them distress, and so I aged myself
2: but even given given the way that CGI is working now he could very well be back to the old data right look at uh Tron Legacy yeah
3: they just they just touch him up a little bit you know they just touch him up and yeah, they fix him in post
1: well now here's a question because i was kind of visualizing this if if he could play it straight and he was old man kirk and he was and he played it you know straight as a serious role could you see that as a cameo? Because I, I think that could actually be not bad if it was written properly. It, my problem is I have a hard time seeing Shatner problem being number one.
2: He's dead. Well, now he's dead. Prime. In the prime, yeah. line.
1: So yeah, they can retcon anything. They can retcon anything. But I, I don't know. I'm, I haven't seen Shatner be. Uh, Proper, properly serious in a very long time so i'm not I'm not convinced that it would it would come off quite right
3: there's too many Priceline commercials between then and now well captains here's
2: our first community question for you <whistles> would you like to see William Shatner reprise his role as Captain James T Kirk in the Kelvin timeline let us know in the comments section for this episode at priority com forward slash po317 or by visiting us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash priority one podcast.
1: So while we're on the subject of Mr. Shatner, on August 4th, he'll boldly go where Takei and Nichols have already gone, into a modified Boeing 727 for a zero-G experience and... You too can take flight with the captain for a modest $9,950 plus 5% tax. That's right, become weightless with the man that put the prize in Enterprise. You might even be lucky enough to have him puke all over you. What an adventure. Now isn't that a bargain for just $9,950? It is hilarious to me that it's $9,950
2: and not just $10,000. Is that 5% tax? Is that what puts you over the 10,000? Is that the Is that what happens? 9, is that why because they're like, well, Thailand. you know.
1: It, that, puts you ju- that puts you just over the $10,000. Yeah.
2: Right. So, uh, $10,000, you see here's the thing. Is that when reading into this article, the the regular cost for this is about $5,000 plus 5% sales tax.
1: Terms and conditions may apply.
2: To do it with Shatner is an additional $5,000. With the same 5% sales tax. What, what? Is the money going to something? I couldn't find anything that... that I bet you're paying for his ticket. Probably. But that's what—that's kind of what bothers me about this, is that they're tacking up the price another $5,000. First of all, like, I'm going to do... Like, I'm really considering, you know, doing a zero-G with Like, I'm with considering Shatner. doing a
3: zero-G by myself. It just...
2: Right. Yeah, exactly. So, I, I just... I... Hey guys, enjoy it if you can afford it. There
3: are those people. I mean, we've had this conversation with Star Trek online. There are those whales out there that just want the experience. So, I mean, someone'll pony up for this. Somebody will.
1: It's like taking that photo op to like the next level.
3: Yeah, no kidding.
2: If you are listening to this show and you do that flight, we want to bring you on the show to interview you to find out what happened minute by, we want a minute by minute play by play of what that experience was like. Please Please send an email to Incoming up our One Podcast if you're going to do this, because we're going to bring you on the show and we want to talk to you about that experience. Anywho, captains, remember that time when you thought, "Gee, I wonder what it would look like if the Defiant was a car." Well, wonder no longer, because Budget Direct, an Australian car insurance company, revealed some interesting concept designs for cars inspired by Star Trek starships. Now, we're not talking loosely inspired. Some of these look like an actual starship with just slight modifications to allow for road wheels to be attached to them. They each have their own sales pitch to accompany the image as well. If you didn't need enough inspiration to want to buy one of these
1: uh, Can I just say, my jaw is right on the floor right now. These are amazing. So I'm looking at the artwork right now. I really, really, really want the Derridex, Warbird. Like it's cool. I don't. I can't quite tell where you'd sit in it, but it looks amazing.
0: I think the Defiant one looks pretty. The badass. Defiant one you could
3: actually—that's almost road legal, at, like right as it is.
2: No, you know which one is road legal is the uh, the Decora, That was going
1: to be the other one.
2: That looks like a Batmobile. Please. It looks yes. like yes. a Batmobile. Like an orange exactly, Batmobile. The, the Chrysler—it looks like the Chrysler Prowler.
1: Yeah. You know where I could
2: see these actually having a market? As kitty cars.
1: Yeah, like for kids,
2: you could buy your kid an Enterprise Hot Wheels, You know, one of those. Oh, these powered- are totally Hot
3: Wheels. Oh yeah, yeah. They should. They should make a, lot, a Hot Wheels line of these of these things. Absolutely.
1: What I find is funny is that actually the Enterprises are probably the least appealing ones. They're the ones that I don't think translate very well at all into a. Uh, that whole secondary
3: a- hole nacelle thing that doesn't <laughs> fit.
1: <laughs> it's yeah, yeah it's a little it's a little botched together. The Borg cube is interesting. But yeah, I, I definitely like the look of the decora and the Dideradex. They just look kind of sweet.
0: The Klingon Bird of Prey kind of reminds me of uh, Formula One racing.
1: Yes, I agree with that. And also, if you notice way down at the bottom, they've got the USS Discovery.
2: A vision of the future. The USS Discovery is breaking new ground and inventing unlimited possibilities, demonstrating the future of car design the discovery's sleek exterior and aerodynamic shape makes this car light years away
3: from the automobiles of today. Excuse me, what about rich Corinthian leather?
1: Is there any rich Corinthian leather from Who the Chrysler
3: Cordoba? Yes, we need the rich Corinthian leather.
2: So there's that. So,
1: yes, there is that. Uh, well, moving on to our next story a huge congratulations to Jerry Goldsmith for receiving a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. The Oscar and Emmy Award winning composer posthumously received the star on on may 9th Goldsmith composed the score for several Star Trek films and gave us the iconic
2: well this is this is certainly well deserved I mean this man has composed some of the most iconic themes in cinematic history and of course giving us one of the most iconic Themes for Star Trek, right? The, the 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 next generation theme, essentially. Yeah, no. So this is this is very well deserved. It's it's a shame that it didn't happen and the recognition didn't happen when he was alive. But but you know he has been honored and that's great. Now, in what can only be taken as speculation, on May fourth, Jonathan Frakes tweeted a picture that felt incredibly familiar to most Star Trek fans. In the image, Frakes is leaning on what looks like starship window with a starry backdrop behind him. Could this be the set of Star Trek Discovery? Nope. Or at least it's highly unlikely because his tweet from May 3rd reads, great day with the bridge crew, hashtag Orville. Now, for those of you that may not be aware, Orville is a new science fiction comedy series due out this fall on Fox by creator Seth MacFarlane, a family guy who also did a few stints on Enterprise. So sadly, it's unlikely that he's on the set of Discovery, or what our pipe dreams were, perhaps even directing an episode of Discovery. Instead, he's joining Seth MacFarlane on a trek into science fiction comedy
1: yeah that was a little disappointing we all got a little excited
3: yeah we
2: did
1: uh but you know to be fair looking back you know the 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 window looked very sort of next generation looked very it it was very reminiscent of next gen which um really should have been a tell <laughs> but you know uh i mean i think that's just a testament to how highly regarded he is especially as a director because he would be great i'd love to see him direct Several episodes of Discovery would be great.
0: I can see him directing a few episodes of Discovery, and, and LeVar as well. I mean, they've done, directed some fantastic episodes, so I'd imagine at some point they probably will.
2: I have a feeling they're not going to want that. Just like just the way that J.J. didn't want anything to do with, with primetime actors or creatives, even in the comics. Even in the comics, he barely wanted to touchstone any of the primetime universe. I doubt that they're gonna they're gonna do that. I doubt it, which is a shame. You know who would have
3: accepted that? Brian Fuller, probably. Yeah, and this is another another thing that's kind of a crying shame, or, or like a prediction that I'm gonna have, which will become a crying shame if it actually comes true. What what happens if the uh, Orville is like the Galaxy Quest to the Star Trek movies?
1: Don't and then it's gonna. And it's then gonna it's be really, better really than the good. actual Star Trek. Yeah, I, I, I mean, do worry about that. Actually. I mean, I just, I just clicked on the concern. Wikipedia
3: page for the Orville. It's called the Orville, by the way, because I guess that's the name of the starship. Uh, it stars McFarlane as Ed Grayson, captain of the Orville, and Adrian Palicki as Kelly Grayson, first officer and ex-wife of the captain. I mean, just oh, just no. right there. Long long exploration trip into the deep black of space, and you're stuck with your ex-wife as your second in command. I mean, I already sense a lot going on right there. And then there's uh, the pilot is the captain's best buddy, and there's no one else that's sort of filled in. As, as uh, you know, they've got some other people um, listed as actors, but I, yeah, that's. And if he got Frakes to do it, I mean, what would have been great about Frakes is that he gets Star Trek. I mean, he is—he is a guy that sort of gets the the marrow. He worked with Roddenberry while he was still alive. He worked with that Next Gen cast for so long. He directed two of the movies, one of which is one of the good ones, and Insurrection, which me. But still, one of the—he's my third favorite Star Trek director. He would be my second if he hadn't botched the joystick thing in Insurrection. I'll never forgive him for that. But but he gets star trek and so to have him working on the comedy version rather than the real one i'm sensing i got a real galaxy quest vibe here now
2: well that wraps it up this week for news throughout the star trek multiverse now let's find out what happened this week in star trek online
0: computer status report
1: status
3: incoming message
1: i'm only in the mood for good news today Well, Captains, welcome once again to STO News, where we're bringing you up to speed on the latest from Star Trek Online. But before we get into the news for this week, why don't we talk about where Elijah and Jake were last week? So we sent them on a hashtag away mission. And uh, Elijah, where were you guys? Well, Kenna, Jake and
2: I had the opportunity of of actually doing a crossover episode with Engage, the official Star Trek podcast uh, hosted by Jordan Hoffman. And uh, Jake took a train all the way from Rhode Island, and I took the train from uh, from Princeton into New York City to CBS radio headquarters uh, to the 44th floor (laughs) and sat in with Jordan Hoffman in the studio uh, and recorded an episode. There's a little bit of backstory to this. So... In episode 42 of Engage, they had done a review of Star Trek Online, and they really only gave it, like, a 24-minute review, and and we felt it was an unfair review. I don't remember what episode it was that we...
1: It was a a few weeks ago, yeah.
2: After we published that episode, our review of Engage's review of Star Trek Online, one of our listeners, uh, Diana Gunther, had tweeted us and Jordan Hoffman about... The unfair review that Star Trek Online might have been given in that short period of time, uh, which then triggered Jordan's interest in having us come on and talk more about Star Trek Mm -hmm. Online to give a a player's perspective of the game. Uh, So we were fortunate enough to be invited into CBS studios in New York City. Uh, Jake was able to join uh, me on that interview, thankfully, because I don't think I could have done it by myself. (laughs) Um, And we had a really good discussion. Now, now here's the thing about about that episode of Engage was that, you know, Jordan is not a gamer, and he made that clear in that episode of Engage on that episode number 42. Uh, But he was really into the lore, right? He was, even in that episode, Mm -hmm. he was asking about what the Star Trek online story was. So what Jake and I had the opportunity of doing was presenting that, you know, in a short, zipped up in a nutshell kind of way, what the storyline of Star Trek Online has been for the last seven years. And Jordan was like a kid at Christmas. He was eating up all of the lore, all of the the story. He wanted to know all the nitty-gritty things to the point where it seems like he might just go out and invest in a a PC to play the game. (laughs) But it was an amazing experience, I got to say. Jordan and Brian... Uh, his producer, were were very cordial, very professional, very welcoming. Um, it was a wonderful experience, something I'm not going to easily forget. Uh, and I got to say thank you again to Jake for hopping on the train very last minute to join me for this interview. You know, the the sad thing about Priority One, the one downside is that we're not all local, right? So it's mm-hmm. not like it was easy for Kenna to come in, or easy for Tony, or Winters, or anyone. And and let um, me interrupt you and
3: just put in a little point here. This is one of the things we use our Patreon supporters for. This is the sort of thing that because uh, you fo- the, you folks that choose to help us out week to week, we are able to get Jake there, and get Elijah there for this right. opportunity. So, thank you to all you guys. This is the sort of thing that, that your contributions help uh, help us do.
2: And I also gotta thank Jace for jumping on our TeamSpeak server the night before and helping prep for the interview. Uh, I mean, we had like four pages worth of notes that we (laughs) we took into that interview ready to go. Uh, We used like one sentence from it. But it's okay. You're soaking in it,
3: right? You soaked in it for
2: a while. We were, yeah. yeah. we were ready. That's the thing. Stay
1: loose. Yeah, well, listen, you know, Star Trek Online – can can be a little bit daunting because it's a very large game there's a lot of content there and i think um yeah we all kind of felt that it got treated unfairly in that initial review and it was good that we had an opportunity to kind of go in and explain a little bit more and hopefully attract a few more players because you know all of us are here we love star trek online and we wanted to succeed um and i'm really glad that you guys had a chance to go up there and, and do that
3: anybody who likes Star Trek and Star Trek stories should give Star Trek Online a try. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely.
2: You
1: know, the, the, the sad thing about it was that we
2: had an we only had an hour, so there was only so much that we could cover. Um, you know, we had a, a few foundry authors tweet at, tweet at me that, oh, it was a sad thing that Elijah couldn't bring up the foundry or something like that. You know, there's a lot that we didn't cover, mm-hmm. a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. Um, so I have a feeling that we may have a few new listeners that are just listening to the podcast for the first time. The foundry, if you are interested in story is the fan fiction for Star Trek Online, mm-hmm. right? So we have fan films that have been produced over the years and we have novels and fan side projects mm-hmm. that that expand on unanswered questions in Star Trek lore that some people really enjoy and dig and some people don't. Star Trek Online has a tool that allows players to create their own stories. Mm-hmm. So if you are interested in creating your own interactive story for Star Trek, you could actually create it in Star Trek Online. Um,
1: and it's not just stories, it's environments, it's, you can, right. you can build an entire planet if you Puzzles, want to. It's, um, exactly. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's Buildings. basically... yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a map is, generator. Exactly.
2: But we digress. You know, the, the, if you're listening to this show for the first time, after having listened to our crossover show with Engage... Uh, and you're wanting to try Star Trek Online, please reach out to us. Uh, you can reach out to us via email, incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Mm-hmm. You can visit the official Priority One fleet in the game, which is Armada.com, which is led by the inestimable Admiral Winters, our audio engineer. And, of course, you can you know, find us on Facebook, Twitter. Reach out to us. Let us know if you're interested. We would mm-hmm. love to welcome you into Star Trek Online help you with the, the very brief learning curve that there is. You can join us on something like TeamSpeak, which is a, a, a voiceover program that allows us to kind of talk to each other in real time. And if you're not comfortable with that, whatever. Just shoot us an email. Let's let's get you set up. Mm-hmm. Um, you can join us in the game, and let's have fun together. Let's explore this story as a team, as a Star Trek family. Yep.
1: And if you are a a listener of Priority One and you're interested in checking out the Engage podcast, you can go to uh, www.startrek.com forward slash podcasts and subscribe to them there. Uh, We'll also leave a link to them in our show notes uh, for, for more information. So moving on to Star Trek online news proper, let's start with a couple of events being held on console this month.
3: The Crystalline Cataclysm event is back on now through the 1st of June. Players can collect Crystalline Shards by completing the daily Crystalline Catastrophe PvE queue and thusly earn the ground kit module Crystalline Spike. Players who complete the event project will also receive Dilithium and marks of their choice. As we mentioned before on Priority 1, the Crystalline Catastrophe is a straightforward queue and this event is well worth logging in for,
0: if only for the Dilithium. 50k goes a long way. One thing I do want to point out about this for anyone that is playing on console, if you are still working on your reputations, this is a great way to build up those marks for all those reputations that you have not got finished yet.
3: All that complaining we've done over the last few weeks about you know not having people in the queues and not being able to get the marks for unfinished reps, this is the yep. solution. Yep. If only we're on all the time. Exactly.
2: Running at the same time, there's also an R&D pack promo available in the Sea Store. Players who purchase an event research and development pack will have a chance to win either Extra Low Buy or an Alachi Sheshar Dreadnought Cruiser, in addition to normal R&D contents. If you're lucky enough to win the ship, you'll have the choice of either a Command or Intel variant. Once again, both the Crystalline Catastrophe and the Alachi Sheshar R&D pack promo are on PlayStation 4 and Xbox One now through the 1st of June.
3: And that's it for console events, but now let's get on to news of a fictional kind. The winners of the First Contact Day writing contest have been announced this week. If you will recall, this was an event designed to celebrate First Contact Day by encouraging players to write a story about their character's first contact with a being from another world. Congratulations to the winners in third place. Tia Nazegia came in third. Jason Wages came in second. And the Grand Prize winner was Matthew Calhoun with a story about a young Romulan refugee meeting a Bajoran Starfleet officer. We'll leave a link to the First Contact Day contest winners in our show notes at priority1podcast.com forward slash PO317.
1: And now for something a little different. So... Earlier today, Winters and I got into a discussion regarding an issue that he's come up against in-game. Now, as many of you know, Winters is the fleet admiral of Priority One Armada and basically oversees almost everything that goes on with our fleets in-game. So we wanted to get into a little discussion about it today, talk through this issue that we've seen, and see if we can give our listeners maybe a few tips on how to get around it if they're having trouble too. So the issue that we're talking about is essentially that the cost of completing fleet projects is too high and it's hindering players from being able to progress in the fleet. Have I got that right, Winters? Yeah, that's pretty accurate.
0: Um, at, at the core of this issue is that um, we have got so many fleet holdings now that the total dilithium cost that is needed in order to put all uh, projects on cooldown each day has risen to a really high amount. So, for example, the total amount of Dilithium that is needed per day to put all projects on cooldown is 432,000 Dilithium. And that's if you're being economical with the projects that are being queued up.
3: And, and just for a second, what projects are you doing every day? What What are those projects?
0: Well, this is based off a uh, max level fleet in a mid-level Armada, okay? Because there are some bonuses there to uh, reduce the Dilithium costs. So... For example, holdings like the Spire, the delithium Mine, the Embassy, they only have one project that you can queue up, really, for provisions.
3: It's the, it's the provision thing, so that you can buy things from the fleet store.
0: Exactly. If you were to queue up the most cost-effective projects that is available from the list, you are looking at 432,000 Dilithium per day to get all projects on cooldown. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a second part to this. The amount of DOFs that are required is and four- this is
1: duty officers.
0: Yes, duty officers. Yeah. Is yes. 474 duty officers. Again, this is if you were picking the most cost-effective um, projects for your fleet.
1: So essentially, the issue here is that um, for Dilithium, there are so many other things in game that cost Dilithium. That people can't or won't contribute the Dilithium that's required. Uh, And then number two, you know, 474 DOFs across a fleet of 500 people. A lot of people have to have DOFs lying around, and you don't tend to accumulate that many naturally. These are things you need to go out and find in order to contribute. Um, And then because the projects are sitting there unfilled, you're finding that fleet members are unable to cash in and get fleet credits. There's there's nothing else they can contribute. Or And also, the flip side, you were talking about provisions. The fleet itself can't get provisions in order to supply things to the people who already have fleet credits.
0: Exactly, yeah. That will be a problem now, more so probably for smaller fleets who mm-hmm. may only have 50 members or 100 members because yeah. that is a ridiculous amount of dilithium that's needed. Now, Star Trek Online ran into this problem before And their answer was the dilithium mine. A a fully completed dilithium mine gives a 15% reduction to all fleet project costs. And I believe that it is time for something very similar to be brought in for fleets again.
3: This this has been kind of an ongoing issue ever since the uh, system was introduced. I mean, I remember back when I was first hosting the show... Small fleets were stagnating. Large fleets were stagnating, and the solution was the Armada system, where they could hook the small fleets and the big fleets together. Right. But I think it's probably time for another balance pass uh, on on the system.
1: I, I should mention that one of the things that Winters and I were talking about this is a this is a an issue that affects large fleets and small fleets. It's, it's not just uh, one type of fleet who's, who's feeling the problems with it. It's just sort of generally across the board.
0: Yeah, it, large fleets and small fleets, I guarantee, always struggle with the dilithium and mm-hmm. the sheer amount of duty officers that are needed.
1: Yeah. And, you know, for my personal experience, I've noticed this. I, I've had this before. Now, I, I'm somebody who um, who grinds DOFs on a regular basis. We'll come on to that in a little bit. Um, so I've never had trouble getting fleet credits. But I do notice that I'm a casual player. I don't log in that much. Generally speaking, when I log into the the fleet and look for projects to contribute to... The only thing that's left now is dilithium and DOFs. Now I try to contribute on a you know, a thousand dilithium pretty much every time I log in. That's just the way I do it. And I do generally have DOFs lying around from various DOF grinding projects. So I, I get my fleet credits that way. But if you're not prepared to do that or you haven't got the particularly dilithium resources to be able to do that, you can't you literally can't get fleet credits. And Winters, you were saying that in av like a quote-unquote average build, a sort of a, a run-of-the-mill build, if you were going to build it up with um, fleet gear, like weapons, um, embassy consoles, or whatever, is going to cost you around a million fleet credits in total.
0: Yeah, uh, your average build, uh, it's not actually going to be all fleet gear. Like, You will most likely have a mixture of reputation gear and fleet gear. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's take, for example, um, the fifth Starship trait unlock. That alone costs 100,000 fleet credits to purchase that. Mm -hmm. Your sixth active duty space doff slot, uh, that Mm -hmm. costs, I think, 150,000, if I remember correctly. So the costs uh, build up Mm -hmm. very quickly. But it's not necessarily easy to earn those fleet credits. Because Especially
1: because you've said dilithium, you get you get one fleet credit per dilithium. So it's it's yes. one of the sort of worst returns that you get on things that you can contribute. And um, dofs, while they get a better return, I forget what they get per um, per dof. It, it, it's significantly harder to go and get the dofs and then have to bring them back to your fleet.
0: Yeah, you see, duty officers. It's not something that you know you trip across an awful lot of through normal gameplay. You actually no. have to go out and know what you're doing in order to farm them. Or you have to have the EC in order to buy them off the exchange.
3: Yep. The other question I had is, in a recent show we were having this discussion about how people had too many fleet marks lying around.
1: Well, this is kind of a good segue into what I wanted to talk about next, which was um, what are some things that we think are quick wins on how you can alleviate the problem. So, like you're saying, the fleet marks... Fleet marks do pile up depending on what um, what cues you're doing and the problem is the fleet mark contributions into the project go fast and there are special projects that if you contribute fleet marks to them you, you get fleet credits but at half the rate of a normal project. So nobody ever wants to contribute to that, because you're you're basically dumping marks away.
0: Yeah, Uh, when a fleet reaches tier 5 on the star base, so it actually doesn't have to be 100% finished, it's like 92% finished, Um, it unlocks a new project that requires 2,000 fleet marks, but instead of a 1 is to 50 ratio, it's a 1 is to 25 ratio, so you're only getting half the value back for your uh, fleet marks, which kind of hurts a little bit you know
3: so yeah so rather than rather than contribute to that what they do is they just hold off and hope that when the next project opens up they can chip it in for the full the full amount
0: exactly but part of this is you know people get annoyed they get frustrated and it's not only with uh the fleet that they're in but you know they might get frustrated with the game as well. Oh, I can never get rid of my fleet marks. The fleet marks are always taken and all at once is Dilithium and Doffs and I can only play, you know, one hour per week. This is why I was saying it's time for them to introduce a new fleet holding, but it needs to be along the same lines as the Dilithium mine.
1: That gives you benefits, it reduces the cost yeah, as you level it reduces up. Reduces
0: the cost for definitely the Dilithium and definitely uh, the amount of Doffs that's required.
1: Okay, so the next thing I wanted to talk about was, was maybe a couple of workarounds for fleets that are running into this issue, and um, we touched on briefly this concept of doff grinding. It's, <laughs> it's a, not a very nice name, but it's basically it's the practice of buying up uh, green uncommon doffs, and then you can take them to Starfleet Academy, or there's a couple of other places I can't remember, and you can convert one green doff into three white ones. Mm-hmm. You could do that at every level. So uh, uh, an ultraviolet goes to three purples, a purple goes to three blues, so and so forth down. Oh, and it's
2: Such a chore. Yes. I've
1: tried to, what, what, what That is so... Now, Elijah, chill out. This is a workaround. We I think we are all pretty much in agreement that uh, we would like something to be done so that you don't have to do use a workaround. But if you're desperate, if your fleet is stuck, you can't get provisions because you're stuck on doffs and nobody has any. This is how you do it. You go to the exchange, you buy up a bunch of green doffs. Gen- in my experience, the green ones are the you get the best return on converting to whites. And then the white ones you, you, you give into your fleet and that gives a pretty good return. And in fact, I did a video on this ages ago. Um, it may be slightly out of date now, but if you go to our YouTube page, which is um, if you search for Priority One Podcast on YouTube, you'll see it. There's a there's a doff grinding video under the command school section that goes into how it works. But regardless, it's going to take a little bit of effort and it's going to take time. It's not ideal, but it will get you around that if you're really stuck. The bit that I don't know is a workaround for the Dilithium side of it because what do you do if you just haven't got the Dilithium or your your members of your fleet haven't got the Dilithium?
0: There isn't an awful lot that can be done because not everyone can get into the game and you know grind up 8,000 Dilithium on three characters or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's just... It's got to the point now where it's, it's really starting to affect fleets.
3: Didn't Al once upon a time say something like, maybe we can figure out a way to get you some, uh, some fleet dilithium? Uh, there is
1: fleet dilithium that you can get. For certain special events, you'll get fleet-only dilithium.
0: Okay. There, twice... <laughs> twice <laughs> they have had fleet-only dilithium. The first time mm-hmm. was in the Delta Recruitment event, mm-hmm. and you got 50,000 fleet-only dilithium. It was fantastic. <laughs>
1: Which, if you'll recall, uh, the daily requirement is 432,000 dilithium. Yes. <laughs> so. <laughs>
3: it was a step in the right direction. Yeah, it was. But maybe only a step. Yeah. So techni- mm-hmm. so we know it's a technical capability, but obviously what maybe needs to happen is they need to find the sweet spot. Because clearly, as a player, you think five to 10,000 is too low, and maybe 50,000 might be a bit high. So maybe it needs to be 500, but every day. Or something mm-hmm. like that, something that you can earn on a 20 hour cooldown for something like that.
1: Well, that's a, that's a really good place to, to, to finish up. That brings us to a really good community question for this week. Have you run into issues with completing fleet projects? If you have, what are some workarounds that you've found, and what do you think Cryptic could change to make it less of an issue?
0: In an effort to lend a hand to new players, or even surprise the most veteran captains in Star Trek Online, here's my weekly top tip. For those of you who are Federation characters and are interested in Space Barbie, or you just want your character looking its best, there is a free diplomatic uniform available to all Federation captains. The uniform that I'm referring to is the diplomatic uniform that we've seen at the beginning of Star Trek Insurrection and Star Trek Nemesis. All you have to do, and I use the phrase lightly as it's no small feat, is to level up the Diplomatic Commendation to rank 4 in the duty officer system. Once you reach this level, the Diplomatic Costume will automatically unlock for you and will be available the next time you visit any tailor in-game. For more information, we will leave a link in the show notes at priority one forward slash PO317.
3: I just have to say, before we move on here, yeah. That's the new way to do it. I did it the old way, where you had to do the old diplomatic way? missions. Yes, you can only yeah. do diplomatic missions that spawned in certain places at certain times, and you got 10 points every time you completed one, and you had to get a ridiculous amount of points, like 2,000. Yeah, Yikes. I want a round of applause, I want a crack, <laughs> I want a certificate suitable for framing, and I want a friggin' ticker tape parade, because that was <laughs> terrible. All you kids today talking about a grind, I'm, here, I'm hearing nothing of it. The old diplomatic thing was, I was the worst. Was the worst. <laughs> do
1: you know what's <laughs> funny is diplomacy. Diplomacy was actually the commendation rank that I got first. I don't know how, but I, I ended up because it's, it's easier straight away.
3: It's there's <laughs> always that mission that's your first officer always has. You get you get, so yeah. it's a once a day thing. and It's a pretty high number, and you just burn that thing every day in the duty officer system. Ooh, ooh
1: yep. over and over.
2: I still have to. I still have to get through colonial.
1: Oh, yeah, Colonial Trade and Exploration. Recruitment.
2: That, those are, yeah. and and are hard. Recruit Recruitment is a one. I can't. Yeah.
3: Diplomacy I can't, is easy. I'm like level two. It's that Entertain Foreign Dignitaries mission. Yeah. It's always at the top. It's always on your first officer. You load it up every day and just go. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, wrapping up Star Trek Online news, we do have an event coming up for those of you that might be interested in chilling with the Priority One crew and the Armada. This coming Saturday, the 20th of May at 7 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, The Priority One Armada will be hosting a Dabo Party in Corks Bar, located on Deep Space Nine. The Dabo Party provides a chance to chill out, meet other Stowe players, chat about the game, and play some Dabo. To join in on the fun, just sign up for the Priority One chat channel in the game. All you have to do is type in the chat bar, forward slash, channel, underscore, join, hit the space bar, Priority One. O-N-E, not the number. Then hit enter, and voila! You are now in the official Priority One chat room for Star Trek Online, free and accessible to everyone.
3: One last gaming news story. There's a cool little Trek nugget out of Ubisoft this week regarding new features that they're working on for Star Trek Bridge Crew VR. The groundbreaking social VR game due out at the end of this month is slated to start beta testing voice commands sometime this summer. David Votipka, Ubisoft's senior creative director, says, quote, Watson gives captains and Star Trek bridge crew the ability to issue commands to non-player crew members the same way they do with a human crew, by using their voice. IBM provides an easy-to-integrate solution that is cloud-based, so it's light on code and performance while letting us remain fast on feature turnaround, end quote. It's not clear at this point when exactly the voice command system will be available to test, but we do know that it won't be when the game launches on May 30th.
2: So, um, like, the more this game is developed, the more excited I get about it. It is
1: extremely exciting, and I will never be able to play
2: it. I know. It's so, so (laughs) unfortunate. It really is unfortunate that it's... it's, uh,
1: How are they going to get it into hands of people? That's the problem. How are they going to get it into my hands? Uh, Because, you know, for a really good game... I'm willing to, you know, save up my birthday Shout money. Out
2: $60. Yeah. I'd pay $60 yeah. for a Yeah. But solid I can
1: I just it's is this game going to be doomed to being ahead of its time that 20 years from now we'll look back and, and say, yeah. "Wow, oh, yeah. that was a technological marvel that nobody played."
2: Yeah. yeah. And that, and that's <laughs> and that's
1: sad. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, you wanted to you wanted to be successful and you don't you don't want it like is this the only chance like if nobody plays it because it's too expensive is that it it's a huge
3: gamble i mean this this i mean maybe this is the sort of thing that drives people to buy vr but here we are on a podcast of star trekiness and i'm telling you it does not move my needle
1: it, it doesn't it, no, move my what, needle. What is going to drive people to buy VR is having cash in their pocket, which a lot of people don't. Uh, you no, know, No, no.
2: Hang on. <laughs> this, is, this might as well. This might as well be me flying with Shatner on a zero G flight for ten thousand dollars. <laughs> like that's how. That's how. That's how far off. No, no, no.
3: Is. It's an order of magnitude less. You could have VR in your house for a thousand bucks. Okay. You need to upgrade your video card, and you need to, and you need to buy the the headset and all that kind of stuff. A thousand bucks is not impossible but really really steep i mean it's really really steep if you had a thousand bucks most people would pay off a credit card bill most (laughs) people would pay rent pay rent okay (laughs) a thousand bucks is a huge ask for a piece of entertainment equipment it's not unprecedented people bought vcrs and they were about that much when they first came out but the thing is is that there were a million titles to choose from and if you liked musicals or science fiction or uh, detective dramas a lot there were a wide variety of things that you could do and, and use your, your your VCR your brand new VCR to, to, to do hours of entertainment. This is maybe one game and that's an awfully big ask to get people to excited about VR to go to have this experience and they're mm-hmm. saying you got about 40 hours of content and probably half of that is the repetitive uh, you know scenario drills so it's not 20 hours it's not 40 hours of story content.
0: Mm-hmm. Message coming in
1: sir Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other.
2: Well, captains, we're at the part of the show where we open Haley frequencies for your incoming messages.
3: Episode 316's community question was: What do you think about the new PVE queues in Star Trek Online? Do you have any great ideas about how to revamp or refresh the queues? Pour one out for the homies.
1: From Patreon, David S. wrote, I like the idea of making some of the queues single player. Perhaps one way to implement this would be to allow for players to have additional ships in space combat, the same way we have our bridge officers as an away team in ground combat story missions. That way, the number of enemies wouldn't need to be scalable from one to five players. I actually kind of like this idea.
3: Oh my god, make, give me that feature. I want to take all my ships into battle with me. Then
1: it would make sense that we're admirals. <laughs> Finally,
2: oh <laughs> look—you guys are all like, "Oh, let's redo the whole Q yes. thing and single-player Q." Here, all he, you know what? Marks are not hard. The, the base level marks the, the, you can do that. You can get general. Like I did a red alert today, and I got iconian marks for it, right. The problem is with the elite marks. That has something has to happen there.
1: No, you just trade in your normal marks for elite marks. You'd bish bash bosh bosh. Bob's your uncle, No, no,
2: it's definitely not worth – it's not worth the, the – the, the conversion is not worth it. I didn't
1: say it was worth right? it. it Iconi- I just said
2: it's a way Look, to the do Ico- it. I, here, here's here's – Iconian is the one that I'm I'm focused on the most. But at the same time, Iconian I think is the hardest one to get because the Iconian sphere, Elite, like nobody wants to do it. That might as well be like the no-win scenario. Whatever happened to the no-win scenario? But that might as well be the no-win scenario. Nobody wants to play that thing on Elite. Yeah. So how am I supposed to earn the, the Iconian Pro B thingies so I can get my my
1: deflectors and my shields?
0: Brotherhood of the sword, Elise.
1: I have the Iconian set. And I got it by playing for Iconian marks and trading them for Elite Marks.
2: You know what, Kenna? When you earn your diplomacy <laughs> costume, by trudging through <laughs> the galaxy. Then you can't complain. Mission <sighs> for mission. <sighs> hmm mm-hmm. Then maybe you can you can complain. Yes. But until you do I'm that, compli- you do I don't it. want I'm to I'm not hear, complaining.
1: All oh. I'm saying is there is a mechanic yeah. in the game that will allow you to earn those elite marks. It's there, ready for the taking. You just have to suck it up and take it, Elijah. Yeah,
3: point of order. Ken is the one proposing the solution. You're the one complaining again, yeah. Elijah. Yeah. yeah you know, to, be, to, be, to, be, to be fair about this. As he rolls his eyes... Patreon! Incoming message from Christopher Keene says, The thing I love about Sto is the one thing it gets criticized for, and that's not being like every other MMO where you need a team of healers, tanks, and fighters to get the job done. STO has always been pretty much a single-player game, and it shouldn't apologize for that because it does set it apart from the norm. To that, it's only logical that private queues, at least, should be for players numbered 1 to 5 and not restricted to a set amount of players.
2: All right, so I appreciate the fact that Star Trek Online is not the tra- traditional. Holy Trinity. Holy mm-hmm. Trinity of, of yeah. MMOs. You know what, though? Sometimes those tropes just pull at my heartstrings, and I wish that they would introduce a little bit of, of that kind of gameplay. You can if you want. No, no, there's really nothing. The, the closest thing that we got were accolades. Where you do a mission with a science officer or an engineer you for for doing a a mission objective. But, you know, I really... There's something about having to coordinate with your healer, your tanker, your DPS person in order to get an objective done. You know, that's why those videos like Leroy Jenkins are so funny. It's the classic trope, and I, 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 you know, I know the game's seven years old, but I wouldn't mind if, like, maybe one or two missions, maybe some non-essential missions, doesn't have to be featured episodes, maybe a queue or two that just required a little bit of the Holy Trinity. Um,
1: I'm not an expert. I, I'm i sure that there are some that require you to have multiple no. disciplines. No? Nope. Well, nope. you're talking to the wrong person because I prefer to play the by myself. I I would really like to have a one player. It, it would be nice if they could, but like but, that's you know, like Chris is saying, he's saying you know, can you make a, a private queue that allows you to have one and then it scales you to one? That'd be nice.
0: Irish guy has words. Uh, the only queue that focuses on the Holy Trinity is the Mirror Universe event.
1: Yes. Yes. Oh, you're yes.
2: Right. Yes. Yeah, that's a good one. You know what but I like that. I it's fun. You know I'm thinking back on games like like Ch- uh, City of Heroes, right? City of Heroes which was a crypt a, a cryptic game originally. Man, I remember just you know LFT, looking for team and 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 we need a, oh, we need another healer. We like there's there's a, there's a it's the point of an MMO, right? It to engage with random strangers because you need to. There now Star Trek Online is already you know eight games in one right between factions and ground combat and space combat why not introduce a few missions a few objectives that require you to say looking for a team you know what i'm gonna even go on a limb here and say that let's say they introduce a queue for that it should be like a hot queue like a a, like something that 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 rewards something pretty substantial Mm -hmm. To requ- that, that, that entices players to come together.
3: Come together. Wouldn't that dovetail nicely with their stated intention of there not being a bad choice in the game? Especially if you need science officers and you need engineers mm-hmm. to go finish this. That would mean mm-hmm. that everybody who's rolled an engineer and a science officer, you would be needed at some point. Yeah. Right. Somebody would require right, right,
1: right. you. As long as you could pug it. Because. I would feel left out if you couldn't. Yeah, but that's the point of an
2: MMO. Yeah. The whole point of an MMO is to bug, yeah. right? In most case, in traditional MMOs. Now, Star Trek Online has had seven years of solo player content, right? We've got enough. We've got plenty of it. I, you know, I, I know people want their PvP. I know we've been, you know, harping on the queues, but I, I would love a little bit more of an introduction or a little more of a directional approach to some missions that actually require. Assistance from a science officer.
3: All the hot MMOs right now are like like Overwatch. When people are, they need you need the tank, mm-hmm. you need the rogue, you need yeah. the healer. Mm-hmm. And if you and if you get a pug full of healers, everyone goes crap. We're dead. And the competitive PVE would be a great uh, bet, test bed for this because it would make people join up, and it would it would probably give them raw data for their whole player potential thing mm-hmm. because it would help it would force people together that normally wouldn't jump in especially if it was a highly rewarding queue and it was made known it was a highly rewarding queue. It incentivized people to come in. It would give them more data, more grist for their mill yeah. on the player potential system. Uh, I think that's a winning idea.
2: Just one queue. One queue with awesome rewards, or maybe one queue that gives all the rewards, like all the options, you know, like pick from the, the, the standard marks and pick from, your, from the elite marks to actually get,
0: you know, whatever I, gear set you want. They kind of had something like that recently with the arena of Sempec. But the reward—it was woefully under rewarding.
1: Yeah, that was a common complaint, wasn't it? That it wasn't rewarding enough. Oh,
0: it—it was so way out. It was so out of whack. Like I played one of those for two hours, and I think I got a hundred and something marks for two hours of gameplay. It was—it was horrible. (laughs) Good return. But you—you joked
2: last week about zone chat and how you know. you pretty much avoid don't zone chat in Star Trek yeah, Online. Don't go in. But you see in in a traditional MMO, in an MMO like something like City of mm-hmm. Heroes, zone chat was the only way to engage with new players, make new friends and and work to get objectives yeah. done. Because you needed a five-man team to get some of the missions done, and you had to engage and meet strangers and get things yeah. done. Star Trek Online Start, You know, I, ew, I'm going to... Oh, man, what I think I'm about to say is almost... Oh, process. no. And here I was representing Star Trek Online last year, uh, last week at, at Engaged. In making it such a single-player game, it kind of goes against... It goes against the familiarity of, of the Star Trek community camaraderie kind of thing. Right? We're all like, oh, I'm going to just do it by myself. and I'm just going to focus on my one trail. And I don't want to talk to anybody. Don't talk to me. Don't, don't look at me. I'm going to finish the mission by myself. And isn't Star Trek about... Getting together and, like... Yeah, uh,
1: mm. totally. Mm. I'm, I'm there with you, man. But, <laughs> um, uh, you know, the realities...
2: But I don't want to play with no, anybody. No, okay,
1: now, I have to qualify the fact... I, I don't like to play with other people, partially because I've had uh, a number of bad experiences as, as a woman gamer. And... I prefer not to even go there. I just, I you know, generally speaking, there are people in the fleet that I trust that I would probably pop into a in into a queue with people from the fleet that I already know. But um, generally speaking, I tend to stay pretty anonymous. I don't say who I am. I don't want to go into voice chat. I stay the hell out of zone chat um, because it's the, this. The sad truth is, all MMOs are not safe places for. Women for children for minorities for I mean I'm going to start ranting and I don't want to do that. Um, I would love to 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 have a zone chat where we could do that and it was encouraged and there was all that Star Trek camaraderie. The reality of of MMO games in general and sadly this one in particular is that's not I, I, I just I'm not sure that's realistic.
3: This one in particular.
1: It's. Now, Star Trek Online is not bad, but, but I would not hang out in Zone Chat. I certainly would not make it known that I was a woman. Yeah, but you
2: know why, though? You know why Zone Chat is what it is? is because it's not... It, Champions Online, which is not a Star Trek IP, but but a Cryptic Studios-developed mm-hmm. game. Sorry. Champions Online in a Zone Chat area chat was... sell You know, of course you had your bad apples, but... Half of the time it was, hey, costume contest at in Atlanta and uh, uh well, I forget the name of the, the main city. Um, costume contest or, you know, LFT for healer for such and such dungeon. Star Trek Online.
3: Zone chat serves no purpose.
1: But do you need zone chat to do that kind of? I mean, we've got a, a, attention is being paid to player matching now. Uh, if you go into a pug. Granted, so so um, for anybody who doesn't know what a pug is, it's a pickup group. It's just you're going to be thrown in with whoever random, random they match you random. with. So if you're going into infe- infected space advanced in a pug, it's you and four other players who are, you know, eventually will be matched relatively with you. If you were going to do a queue like you said, you could you not do a pug that matches a tactical captain with an engineer with a scientist.
2: Yeah, but you're letting the system mm-hmm. do the thing for you.
1: Oh, I, I yeah, and, I suppose. And that
2: that goes against that goes against the 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 very nature of what an MMO should be. You know, I was talking about it on on uh, with a, on engaged with Jordan Hoffman about about. Listen, we get together at a convention and we're all excited to see each other and we we make we, we're friends and whatnot. And then it's like, oh well, no, I'll never see you again, or or we can only keep in tie you know keep in touch on email, or maybe until next year. Yeah. Star Trek Online can, can be that for the Star Trek community, right? Not only do you explore the lore, but you can explore it together some, somehow. What, look, watch an episode, any episode of Star Trek. Yeah. A captain goes down with their away team, and every if, you, if you, the doctor goes down or a science officer goes down, there's an objective. Data went down with an objective that Geordi couldn't do or Worf couldn't do. Yeah, they were do.
1: selected for that away team.
2: They mm-hmm. were selective for that purpose. Some of Star them soak up Phaser fire,
1: right? <laughs> yes.
2: Right. Uh, Star Trek Online doesn't offer They that, do on the right? ground. And, on and the ground
1: side, you can you you do have that option, but you're but you know, okay, I can see your point.
2: No, there's but there's no I I I have an away team and I tell them to just do their right. thing. But there are I don't need a healer. I don't need a a a, a scrapper. Okay, I don't yeah. need a you know, a I can just do it on my own, and now I'm not saying redo the game. I just think they need to just start start introducing a few little. Seven years in, let's inject a little bit of of MMO trope into Star Trek. Yeah, Online. I think
0: a lot of what you're talking about there uh, would be a massive redesign to the game. I don't see it happening. The second point that I wanted to bring up is this isn't actually the question that we were uh, focusing on because originally it was about the cues and the cues being dead <laughs> about the cues well no
2: we're, we're talking <laughs> about Chris well. was talking about
3: yeah he was talking about the cues he was talking about the cues but but he but no. chris did want uh he said it shouldn't be criticized for it uh and it shouldn't be restricted to a certain amount of players elijah took it off to a completely different angle which was interesting
0: what i do want to say uh, in regards to uh, chris uh, chris's co- comment is um I like you already know. I think that they should have uh, single player versions of not all the queues, but a, a good number of them. They constantly say that they want choices for the players, they want players to have choices. And if they have a single player queue and they have normal five player queues in advanced and elite and normal levels, that could help a lot of people who, Kenna. You don't like teaming up with people. You have your reasons for that. I know sometimes I log on. I might just not be in a sociable mood. And I'm like, you know what? I've got 30 minutes. I just want to do a mission, log out, and that's it. Uh, I don't think it's a good idea to be forced to have to team up, especially when the queues are so dead right now.
2: Can I, wh- why, why introduce a, a single-player queue? Why not just have the uh, whole Iconian arc storyline? Start giving away. Start giving marks. That is another solution. Yeah, that
0: that that could work if the starters attaching marks to the story missions. Perfect. That could work. Right.
2: You replay it. You replay it and you get. You start getting Iconian marks if you do the Iconian yep. run, or you know Borg or whatever, and you start introducing those mark choices into those mission replays. Instead of having to, that would then be
0: single player content. Right, single player mm-hmm. content. Yep. Perfect.
2: I don't want single player content. I want I want to talk to people. I wanna make new friends. I wanna I wanna like
1: hey, looking for friends to make. Alright. Well shall I move on to our next comment then?
3: From Varzek, my old fleety.
1: Oh yes, from Varzek. Uh, commented on PriorityOnePodcast.com. I have a few ideas on the cues. 1. Revamp the Red Alerts to be a random queue that also pops randomly like Red Alerts originally, but have bonus marks and bonus experience. 2. For single players, we just need some reputation missions, which could be just the queue's reworked single player, or make certain story missions have a day cooldown for related marks, or even find some way to let Foundry creators reward marks on their missions. Uh, Which which is basically what we were just saying a second ago about, um, you know, you know, Iconian marks in your Iconian yep. story arc. Yay. That'd be great. There yeah.
2: we go. Don't just add the, the cheapo marks. I want the marks that I need to get the actual gear. Turn, tur- right? Cryptic. Yeah.
3: If you play on the advanced level, you should get the elite you know, high-end thing. You know, turn, your, turn your difficulty all the way up.
2: All right, fine. I guess you could do that. I'm fine. From Facebook, Chris Hobie writes, I don't like it. Give me the old system. That was good enough for me. It's nice they updated the rewards, but that's all I'm pleased about.
3: From Twitter, Jake says, "Dev should increase rewards." The devs are pretty adamant on wanting player freedom of choice with the recent ground space leveling. Why not level the queues?
1: That's a hard one, though. Um, I, I think you know the everyone's perceived level of rewards—what you should get for the effort that you expend—is going to be slightly different. That's a real. That's a. That's a tricky one. Uh, from the Star Trek online forums, Garrix31 says, Bring back hourly events for specific bonus marks and CXP. I also liked Lige's idea about implementing the competitive aspect to the battle zones.
3: Thank you, Garrix. From Priority One Podcast, Sean Newboy says, I love the ornaments coming this year. Still have to see beyond. Compiler's note, Yay, promenade feedback. Sean Newboy is awesome. I hate the ground one. So many of the puggers just don't have a clue.
2: From Facebook, Stephen Carvel. Really loving the new queues. The UI is a step in the right direction, but has a few niggles to work out. My particular favorite is Binary Circuit. There's a definite buzz when you get a team that works really well together, and the rewards are nice too. Suggestion would be to be able to enhance the obstacles for the other team rather than become a board, which really just slows your own team down. Perhaps random loot drops could spawn more mobs for the other team, or randomly teleport them backwards. Basically, some more interaction with the other team would be great, without full-on PvP. But basically, loving it has made me love ground specs and combat more, too.
1: Now, he raises a good point, which I'm just going to make a quick a quick statement, is that... Th-
2: that you don't want to talk to anybody while playing Star Trek Online?
1: <laughs> That's not fair, Elijah. What I was going to say was that, you know, if, if the War Games scenarios, this competitive PvE sort of takes off there There are a lot of other things that we could do that are you know not direct pvP but you know uh setting traps for the other team or things that happen that cause more enemies to spawn for your uh for your other team or that sort of thing it's it it, it raises some interesting options.
0: I have to agree with Stephen here as well. I really like binary circuit that is my favorite q o the new ones that uh, have come out. I'm having a lot of fun with that one and the rewards it is rewarding fantastically and that's what's drawn another thing that's drawn me to it
1: mm,
3: good. and I have to say it is the first time in a long time I didn't hate ground combat
0: that's right we teamed
3: up Even for one me we did and I didn't hate it which is a strong compliment <laughs> that's for high praise division. Tony <laughs> it's high <laughs> praise for me yes
1: well we had some great feedback this week and unfortunately we couldn't include it all but be sure to head to our social media outlets to read the rest and contribute something yourself
2: well that wraps up episode 317 of priority one a roddenberry star trek podcast for more great podcasts go to roddenberry.com
3: but before we go here's a reminder of what our community questions are for the week would you like to see william shatner reprise his role as captain kirk have you run into issues with completing fleet projects and what are some workarounds you've found what do you think cryptic could change to make it less of an issue
0: Captains, you know, we love hearing from you. Leave us a comment on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com, on our Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash podcast, or tweet us via at pod.
3: Don't miss a thing from the world of Star Trek. Catch our episodes every Monday by pointing your favorite podcast app to feeds.PriorityOnePodcast.com. You can even join in the fun while we record our episodes live on Thursday nights at around 11 p.m. Eastern. Keep an eye on our social media channels for details. And if that wasn't enough, you can join us in Star Trek Online in the Priority One Armada. If you're interested, just head over to PriorityOneArmada.com and sign up today.
1: This episode of Priority One Podcast is brought to you by our patrons through Patreon.com. Find out more and add your support at Patreon.com forward slash Priority One. Even if you can't make a financial contribution, please help spread the word about the show and invite your fellow Trekkies. It's your support that keeps us going.
3: Don't forget to tune into Priority One Productions Guard Frequency podcast at guardfrequency.com, covering the world of space sims, including Star Citizen, Elite Dangerous, Descent Underground, and many more. If you like this show, listening to Guard Frequency is the logical choice.
2: Thanks to our audio team, led by Michael McDonald, with assistance from Brandon Parker and Jake Morgan and with support from Midnight Shadow 7 of Hollow Sweet Media. Speaking of Jake Morgan, a big thanks to him for spearheading all of our social media endeavors, the occasional skits, and for joining me on Engage, the official Star Trek podcast. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. Thanks to associate producer, Navy Boat and for his support on Patreon. Most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community our listeners because without your ongoing support none of this would be possible
1: enemy ship on sensors
3: red alert shields up ready weapons
1: engage
2: In our audio booth, all the way in Ireland, is our audio engineer Winters. Top of the morning to you, that's.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you hate that.
1: <laughs> He's feeling You've been lying
0: to me. You told me you hated that. <laughs> I do, but uh, I just—I got a flashback. Yeah, to the all the way from Ireland, it's Winters. The uh, the engaged podcast. The guy sounded so surprised. Like, and you have a guy from Ireland.
1: <laughs> they have computers the oh things yeah, that we're are worldwide. Yep. That's right. Become weightless with the man that put the something in something.
2: Oh man, I needed something <laughs> witty there. Uh, um,
3: you know what? Keep it like that. I Just read I it like you put the something into something else.
1: Yikes, <laughs> when you read it like that it sounds really bad, Tony. That's why it works.
2: This is Elijah, Stone SYNC 1.
1: This is Kenna, Stone SYNC 3.
3: This is Tony Stonu's no. <laughs> Sync 2, I guess.
1: Honest to God, I've had trouble syncing up every... What? Why? It's not hard. I've done this. A lot. Literally hundreds of times.
2: You know what I keep... Uh, remember Tim Allen in uh, Santa Claus? Shasha, shisha. Popo, Shisho. Popo, shisho. Shasha, dreadnought.
3: So before we hand you over to Jace for TrekLate101, Ubisoft this week is good. I
1: did actually read a script that wasn't just the yeah, headline. You didn't have to read the headline.
3: I started reading where it says voice commands are coming to Star Trek Bridge Crew this month, this summer, and then I scrolled down. And that yes, sentence had no connection. Yes, for the connection. first
2: time ever, she finally gives him sh- about going off the script.
1: He's wow. No, because normally, normally Tony's really good. He covers up. He like, yeah, you, like you this wasn't one not listening. The... You wouldn't know. You know, you know why? You know why? Because
2: he waste. He blew
3: it all in that whole rant about the. I Adam. probably that's did. Right, all, right. all that, he all that stuff ah. was, just, was just gone. Okay. <laughs> Covering the world of space sims, including. Stop that! Stop that, cat! <laughs> <laughs> it's the last one, cat. Shut up. Five more seconds, cat.
0: No cats or Elijah's were hurt during the recording of this episode.
2: Hashtag track nuggets.